And if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 23, it's page 541 in your Bibles. Before we read Psalm 23, let's, let's just pray. A heavenly Father, a mighty eternal Lord God, we thank you that we can come into your presence this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would visit us each here this morning with your Holy Spirit's power. We ask, Lord, that you would draw us to you by your might, that you would be glorified and lifted up here this morning. We pray, Lord, you would have all the honour and all the glory in all that we do. We pray, Lord, that you would be blessed and that we would be blessed in your presence for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Let's read the 23rd Psalm. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're going to have a look at this psalm today. Bear with me while I set myself up. We live in strange times. And we live in an age that tells us that Well, it's an age of individualism, isn't it? And everyone is called to be a lion, aren't we? We're all called to know who we are, to be who we are. And if anybody challenges that, to roar back at them. We live in an age when the lion is king, don't we? And everyone's a lion, and everyone should be a lion, shouldn't they? No one wants to be a sheep, do they? A sheep is a weak creature, a timid creature... A black sheep is an outcast of a creature. But no, we live in an age of a lion. We live in an age of individualism, an age where you can't just meld into the crowd. But this shepherd, this this psalm tells us something very different, doesn't it? Psalm 23 tells us that we are sheep. And so this morning I want us to lay aside any high opinion that we might have of ourselves. I want us to lay aside any idea that you might have of this world's mantra that you are a lion and that you should be full of yourself. I want you to lay that aside. And the reason for that is that this morning, I want you to meet the shepherd. That's what I want you to do this morning. So don't come roaring. Don't come full of yourself. Take that for one moment and just lay it to one side. 
by all means grab your shield again afterwards but just give me half an hour and lay lay aside your shield lay aside your defences and come and meet the shepherd this morning if we remain a lion roaring at the world you will not see him and you won't meet him so this morning if you're pumping yourself up if you've run through a load of sort of mantras and ideas of who you are you won't see him and i want you to see the shepherd this morning i want every person to meet the shepherd just where they are and that's going to mean something different because each and every one of us is in a different place in the field aren't we each and every single we can't share the same patch of ground we might be side by side in some issues with with others but you're each where you are individually and so this morning i want you to meet the shepherd for yourself i want you to come this morning and meet the lord my shepherd that's where i want us to go this morning i want to tell you about your shepherd so give me half an hour to let me tell you about my shepherd the end of this morning service by all means come and tell me about your shepherd but we're going to look at psalm 23 I'm going to use it like a springboard and an anchor this morning. So we're going to begin with a, with a point that sheep, why do they need? Why do I need a shepherd? Then we're going to move on and we're going to have a look at the shepherd. Because, oops, sorry, I've lost my place. That's no good, is it? Why do they need a shepherd? Secondly, what is a shepherd? And thirdly, we're going to look at who is the good shepherd so we're going to begin by looking at why would sheep need a shepherd? Why do I need a shepherd? And to start this point, I want us to look at the fact that sheep are property. They belong to someone. This year, I was offered three lambs. To, to put that in a bit of context, I have worked with sheep for many years. I've worked with sheep in Wales. I've worked with sheep in Scotland. I've worked with sheep in Sussex. I've worked with sheep in Hertfordshire. And right now I volunteer a bit with sheep in the Chiltern Hills. So I know a little bit about sheep. And, uh, and as part of that volunteering, I delivered a load of lambs around Easter time. And they offered me these lambs at £25 a head. And I thought, well, that, that's, that's a bargain. Because if I go into my butcher... It's going to charge me 50, 60... I don't go to the butcher, they're too expensive. Um, they charge me 50, 60 pounds for a leg of lamb. And I could get them at 25 pounds a head. And I thought, brilliant. What an opportunity. And then I started looking. Well, actually, first of all, Jew went to me, you don't have any land, you can't have them in the garden. But I, I, I figured I could overcome that. I could find some land or I could just, you know, sneak them into the garden and don't worry about the dogs, but we'd, we'd work around it. But then I started looking and I started thinking actually about what the long-term costs would be. So if I did have land, which is, which is something else, I would need to provide an awful lot more for sheep. They'd need shelter to begin with from the elements that are around them. They'd need some good pasture. And my garden is, is only so big, it can't really cope with three growing lambs. I would need to be worried about disease. Sheep are remarkably good at getting ill. So I'd be worried about the disease that they'd have to, uh, that they would encounter, which means I'd have to check them every single day. And that would, you know, take, take time out of an already stretched day. 
I then had to think about their security. So not only would I have to make sure that they had shelter, but I'd also make sure that they're secure. Dogs kill a huge number of sheep every single year in this country. So I would have to make sure that they were fenced in well, probably with electricity, and I'd, you know, I'd have to make sure that they were secure. On top of that, I'd have to be regularly in contact with the sheep to make sure that they were okay. And although it would only be three head of sheep, it doesn't really matter. They have to be a comf- comfortable with each other. Otherwise, they very quickly start fighting. And animals who start fighting don't put on weight and are no good. They end up losing condition and they're just not going to be worth very much. And I'd need to make sure they had clean water every single day. So I, I suddenly realized there was a whole lot more that was going on. And, my, and Jews' original counsel to uh, where are you going to keep them was just the thin end of the wedge. But the shepherd here, he has sheep. And that's the reality, that sheep are owned by somebody. And so my first question to you this morning is who do you belong to? Each and every sheep in this country has a tag in their ear. It denotes where they were born, who they were from, who owns them. They're registered on a, on a big register that is kept of all the sheep and all the movements that happen across this country. They are noted as belonging to somebody. In David's day, the author of this psalm, they would have notched their ear so that they would have had a visible mark as to who they belong to. And the question begins this morning. Who do you belong to? Who owns you? We, we live in an age, don't we, where we own ourselves. No, no, no you know, we're me. That's, that's who's important. I'm answerable to me and to nobody else. But that's a lie. It's a total lie because as humankind, we are responsible to everybody else around us. We have responsibilities to others around us. And the question is how we discharge those responsibilities shows somewhat who our owner is. Let me change the question slightly. Who was it who made you? You are made in the image of God, aren't you? Psalm 139 tells us that you were put together in your mother's womb by the creator himself. So if you have been made by almighty God, does he have a claim on your life? Does he have a claim on who you are? Men and women made in his image. Do you answer to God? Or do you answer only to yourself? Who made you? Who owns you? In this psalm, we're told that the sheep doesn't have any need, doesn't have any, anything it lacks, because it says, I shall not want. But we live in an age, don't we, where we want an awful lot. Where we spend an awful lot of time, if you're on social media, you spend an awful lot of time seeing what other people have and getting ideas for what other people have and wanting what other people have. Some of you are no doubt about to head back to school or have those that 
are about to head back to school in your homes. And you know the challenges of peer pressure at that age and making sure that the children are keeping up with each other. And we live in an age of discontent. There is advert after advert. Though the recent one, isn't it? Timu. Shop like a billionaire. That seems to be the driving ambition of today's age. It's so cheap, you just spend your money. Because we all want to live like a billionaire. But this sheep, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I suffer no lack. I don't lack anything. I shall not need or want anything. 1 Timothy chapter 6 talks about contentment. But godliness, this is verses 6, 7 and 8, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. And we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. That's alien speak, isn't it? In this day and generation, if we have food and we have clothing, with these we'll be content. But that's hard. It's hard when we see other people around us seeming to have an awful lot more. It's like looking over the fence as a sheep and thinking, well, that grass over there, that's greener. That's better. If I could only get through this fence and get out and get on, then I'd be all right. The sheep says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. A contented sheep will trust the shepherd. And this is what David is experiencing here. And brother and sister, we should be looking at our saviour. We should be considering whose ownership we are. Because if we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're doubly owned. Once owned by the fact that he created us and we are made in his image. And twice owned by the fact that he died and he shed his blood to pay a price for our sins. So we should be content in all that we have. The discontented sheep goes off. And maybe this morning you're sat here and you're going, nah, he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand. Doesn't understand my life and my situation. That's absolutely true. I haven't walked where you're walking. I walk where I walk. And you don't know mine. So you might be sitting there this morning thinking that I'm sitting there judging you. But in return, you're returning that judgment straight back on me. Just stop for a moment. And have your argument and have your complaint with Almighty God. But also remember that he provides everything that you need. And let's go on, let's have a look at that. Let's have a look a a little closer at what the shepherd is. Because is the Lord really my shepherd? And the question as a sheep is, do I submit to his care? Am I prepared to follow his leading? Am I content for him to be my guide? Is his provision enough for me? What do I gain out of this deal as a sheep? They're valid questions to ask of a shepherd. And if you think about the character of a sheep, they're defenseless, they're weak, they're vulnerable. They have a a flock mentality where they all go straight away as soon as one goes, 
They're all off with it too. They're unable to provide for themselves. There's not a sheep that can sow a field that can make sure that the pasture is good. They require everything from a shepherd. If you left sheep to their own devices, they would wither away and die. And it's a tragic sight when you see sheep that are neglected. But they're also stubborn and pig-headed. They are unbelievably stubborn. And often they seem to have a death wish. Because the life of a sheep is not an easy one. But they make it hard for themselves. The life of a human being is not an easy one. But my goodness, we make it hard for ourselves, don't we? Don't we trip ourselves up? And don't we get ourselves into all sorts of scrapes and bother? We like to blame other people, but so often it's the choices that we make that get us there. But the life of a sheep is not an easy one. They are on constant alert. Even if if a rabbit suddenly startles and goes bombing across a field, one sheep will lift its head, go, and they'll all follow straight away. They don't know what the danger was. They don't know if the rabbit saw an eagle in the sky. They don't care. Something startled them and they've all gone. And where one goes, the rest follow. And before you know it, you have a herd of white fluffy things belting it across a field. They live in a heightened state of anxiety. How many of us live in a heightened state of anxiety? Where every little thing that happens is a cause of worry and concern. And every new turn and twist in life causes you almost to throw your hands up and bury your head and just go, what, not again, not more. But in the presence of the shepherd, sheep are not as easily startled. They seem to have this innate sort of trust in the fact that there is somebody there who looks out for them, cares for them. And so instead of being startled by a rabbit or the cry of a bird, they stop, they look up, they check where the shepherd is, and then they carry on eating. Because the shepherd deals with the threats so the sheep can continue to calmly eat and rest. They can lie down in green pastures if the shepherd is there. Because a sheep won't lie down unless they are free from fear. They won't lie down unless they know that they are safe. Because of that heightened state of anxiety, they are always ready to go. So if the shepherd is present, if they feel secure... They will lie in those green pastures. Green pastures and quiet waters, they lead to contented, happy sheep. Everything has been provided for them. And that is the role of the shepherd. Green grass might look like it just grows everywhere. But if you want a field of lush, green grass that is good for the sheep, it has to be worked on, it has to be cultivated, there are seeds that have to be sown, there are weeds that have to be removed... The life of the shepherd wasn't an easy one, and particularly not for David in Bethlehem. It's hard conditions, and the shepherd has a hard job to ensure that his sheep have the very best food and the very best to eat. And a good shepherd will always feed his sheep, even if he himself is hungry. Ezekiel chapter 34 tells us of the character of a shepherd 
in, in verse 11 of Ezekiel 34, the good shepherd is always seeking out his scattered sheep. Ezekiel 34 is a, is a stinging rebuke to the shepherds of Israel. The prophet Ezekiel, inspired by God, is absolutely slamming the failure of leadership in Israel. He's telling them that their shepherds have deserted them. He's telling them that they have done nothing to help the sheep. Instead of providing food for the sheep, they have made sure that they are clothed with wool. They've literally taken it off the backs of the sheep. They've made sure that they have eaten, even if the sheep are hungry. They are the actions of pastors and leaders who do not care for the sheep. The actions of pastors and leaders who take the money from their membership rather than lay down their own lives to serve them. The actions of those sort of leaders are roundly condemned in Ezekiel 34. But in Ezekiel 34, the Lord himself turns to his people and he tells them what a good shepherd is truly like. We see in verse 11 of Ezekiel 34 that he seeks out his scattered sheep. It's full. Read the whole chapter in your own time. If you ever have cause to stop and doubt your pastor, if you ever have cause to stop and doubt those that lead you, read Ezekiel 34. And consider who they are and what they have done for you. In verse 11, they seek out the scattered sheep. They seek out the ones that are lost. They get alongside them and they help them. In verse 14, they spend their time feeding the flock. They spend their time in the word making sure that you are fed. And getting alongside you in your situation. In verse 15, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 34 still. Ezekiel, under the inspiration of God, is telling them that God will provide their security. And in verse 19, it talks about him providing them with clean water. Everything that a sheep needs, the good shepherd provides. And and for a shepherd, their whole role is to, to care from life to death. They are to provide shelter from the elements they're to make sure that the pasture has good, good nutrition, that de- disease is prevented, and if it can't be prevented, then it's medicated against. They ensure security. In this country, it's from dogs. Then it would have been wolves, uh, lions and bears. They ensure that there's peace within the flock. Because even within a flock of sheep, there's a hierarchy. And the ones at the top go around butting hard the ones that are beneath them in the, in the order. But if the shepherd's there, they just contentedly graze. But we're like that as human beings, aren't we? We're so busy trampling on each other and on other people that we fail to take note of what they need. But when the shepherd's there, when the shepherd is present, that should stop. Because when the shepherd's there, we see one who lays down his own life for us and calls us to do the same for the sheep in the pasture alongside us. He sees everything that we need. 
Look at this in verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. The shepherd sees every need of the sheep. He's alongside them. There are difficulties to be overcome. There are sea billows, aren't there, rolling in? Do you not often feel like that? That time after time there is something else coming your way. The storms of life that just disrupt that equilibrium that you have. Perhaps there's issues in your health or in your family, in your work life. We live in volatile times, don't we? And often the rose-tinted spectacles that just go, it'll be all right in the end. It's just another excuse for sticking your head in the sand and not worrying about it. But these times are tough. We live in tough times. And it feels like the paths that we so often walk are dark. And yet, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shepherd is there looking after us. The rod and the staff of the shepherd would have been used, and often still are, to check through the fleece for any signs of damage, any signs for danger. You you put the rod on the back and and the fleece parts, and you can see right down to the skin. And you can see whether or not there have been any injuries. You can see whether or not the flies have got in and are doing some serious damage. And then you've got the staff. It catches that sheep that's running away. It pulls them in close. That's the purpose of the shepherd. He doesn't use his staff to beat and abuse his sheep. He catches them to pull them close. And so often, that is exactly what we need. There's so often when we are busy running headlong away, as far away as we can run. And what we need is exactly what he gives which is that crook around the arm or around the leg or around the neck and pulls them in close. But the sheep, until they got hold of by the shepherd, still try to run. Is there anyone here this morning who can feel and knows the call of the Lord Jesus in their life and yet they're still trying to run? Because if you keep trying to run, you have every cause to fear. Because those dark paths are there for you to run alone. But when you're with the shepherd, every need is met. Everything is seen. And so let's, let's stop and let's think now about who the good shepherd is. Who is that good shepherd? Well, for David, for David, that good shepherd would have been the Lord would have been Yahweh for us we know him as the Lord Jesus Christ so let's take this answer in two hearts who is this good shepherd they're one and the same but we view them with two very different sets of eyes so let's look at who David was talking about first who is this the Lord is my shepherd the Lord here in verse 1 of Psalm 23 David said that the Lord was his shepherd. David knew about caring for sheep. Because they were his humble beginnings. But he had his fair share, didn't he? Of turmoil and upheaval. As a shepherd boy, he faced lions and bears. 
and he knew God's help in dealing with them. He grabbed and he killed lions and bears, as he told King Saul. And then, as a young man, having been left out in the field, when Samuel came to meet his family, Jesse hadn't bothered and get him. He's the youngest son. He's of least importance. And he's just away looking after the sheep. But as a young man at that point, when the rest of his family clearly thought little of him, he was singled out and promoted right in front of his large family. And then he drifts back almost to obscurity until he's catapulted to fame when he stands up in God's name against the giant Goliath. When no one else in the armies of Israel would stand against a man insulting his God. And yet this young boy, who'd already been told off for coming to the battle, this young man, he faces up to Goliath in the name of the Lord. And now he has the favour of the king, and he becomes his son-in-law. And then that same volatile king sets about to murder him. That's David's life as a young man. He then becomes an outlaw and an outcast. And for a while he goes and lives with the enemy. The enemy whose hero he slew, he ends up living with them. And he pretends to be mad in order to, to, to stop their, their scrutiny of him. All of this happens before he becomes king. And when he does become king, he faces wars and he faces battles When he becomes king, he falls into sin and he's guilty of adultery. He's guilty of murder. His family are set against each other. And wicked and heinous things go on in his family. And they end up rebelling against him. And one of them sets himself up as king. But in the midst of all this turmoil, David himself recognizes the Lord. He recognizes the self-sufficient one of Israel is the one who shepherds him. In all of that upheaval, in all of his experience with the lion, the bear, the giant, the killer king, the rebellious scheming children, it taught him that through tough times, through the valley of the shadow of death, he will fear no evil because the shepherd is with him. Are there ways in which you and I can relate? Are there tough, difficult times? Have you had to endure the darkest paths? As you look at those tempests and those waves, just stop for a moment and ask the question that we began with as sheep. Who made you? Who do you belong to? Who made me? God made me. We are the property of the shepherd. Like a sheep, you are the property of the good shepherd. And if he helps David against the lion, the bear, the killer king, if he helps David against rebellious, scheming children, if he helps David against an employer, then King Saul was out to murder him. How much more will he not help you? But as I said earlier, we are doubly owned by God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's have a look at our shepherd. Because here comes a plot twist. 
because we know even more than David. Because we know great David's greater son. And we can know him personally. He was the one who said he was the good shepherd. In John chapter 10, we're told that he lays down his life for the sheep. He knows their need and he takes care of them. I wonder if you know what your greatest need is. What is your greatest need? But if you've been made by God, then he made you for a reason, didn't he? He made you and me so that we might have a relationship with him. We can see that all the way back in the Garden of Eden. If we think about Adam and Eve, they were walking with the Lord in the cool of the day. They knew him. They had a relationship with him. And they threw it all away. But they were made in order to have a relationship with him. You and I made in order to have a relationship with Almighty God. It's why you have a never dying soul. So that you, made in the image of God, will have a relationship with him. And that is your greatest need. That your never dying soul is safe for all eternity. And the Lord Jesus Christ, that good shepherd, he's done it all. Because he's laid down his life for the sheep. In this twist, the shepherd becomes the sacrificial lamb. Let's have a look at those things that the sheep need and just how Jesus provides for them. They need shelter, don't they? They need shelter from the elements. They need pasture, good nutrition. They need disease prevention and medication. They need security from dogs and wolves and lions and bears. They need peace within the flock and they need clean water. And so, as I've said, that greatest twist in all of history is that the Lord of all creation, the great shepherd of the universe, comes to become that sacrificial lamb. And he comes, that sacrificial lamb, to wash you clean. That clean water. Begin at the bottom of the list. That clean water to take your place. That was why he came. Him sinless, you guilty. He spotless. Me covered in filth and sin. But he brings us peace, still waters, peaceful, clean waters. To bring you peace with God and within a whole new family. Peace within the flock of God. That's what he came to provide. The good shepherd provides you with security. And as you suffer the assaults of the evil one, it is him who protects you with his righteousness. Because those arrows of the evil one, they're right, aren't they? And they come home because you are guilty. I am guilty. And when he sits there and he dangles your sin in front of you and and rightly challenges you with it, he's got you banged to rights, hasn't he? But there is safety and security in laying hold of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you are secure from every harm. As your good shepherd has taken every barb and arrow on your behalf. As he hung there on the cross. Colossians tells us that he nailed every single sin. Past, present and future to the cross. For what purpose? So that he could triumph over Satan. So that he could triumph on your behalf. Over sin, over Satan and over death and over hell. That you might have liberty. That those barbs and those arrows. Those chains that Satan rattles that he's got hold of you with. That you might have liberty from that. All through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he dealt with it there. The sin of disease that trips you and causes you to stumble. This is the good shepherd who picks you up. And carefully pours in the oil and the wine to treat those wounds. 
the limping ones are his speciality. Do you realise that? How often do you feel that as you look at other Christians, you think, wow, they're on a different plane. They're just something else. And you stagger along at the back, trying your best, and you seem to keep failing. They are his speciality. Do you know what he does with them? He picks them up. He lays them on his shoulder. And he carries them home. As you fall, do you face the saviour like a lion? Do you roar and snarl at him? Or do you repent and allow him to deal with the sin and rest on him alone? Are you feeding on him? Every sheep needs that correct diet and so do we. I've been really convicted in recent weeks by whether or not I feed properly on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me explain what I mean. Do we protect our eyes and our ears in the way that we should? Whether we are watching TV, whether we're listening to the radio, or whether we're immersing ourselves in music, or losing ourselves in another endless cycle of reels, Is what we are consuming, is what I am consuming, is what you're consuming, a good, healthy diet? Is it what a Christian should be filling their eyes and their ears with? Does it promote a closer walk with God? Or does it enable a drift? Is the language so bad that you kind of wince at it, but then you let it go and it just keeps on going? Slowly numbing your consciousness to it. Would you engage in everything that you do? Would I engage in everything that I do? If Jesus was right with me. If he was bodily right with me while I'm scrolling through social media, would I keep doing it? Would you keep doing it? If the answer is no, then let's stop for a moment. Because in the heart of each believer lives the Lord Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit. So he's right there already. Just stop and think about the diet that we have and what we're doing. The reality is that his word is the best diet. Find a translation that you understand and love and read it. Read it and read it again. Come to the Bible studies and ask those hard questions. When you come across something, don't just give up. But instead, turn up and grill a pastor. That's what they're there for. Let them help you. But find your way into the word. Study it. Seek to find Jesus everywhere in it. Because that is exactly where he is. Finally, as sheep, we need shelter. And when the waves and the billows of life crash around us, we need shelter. He is our peace. He is the one that fills every void. But how often do we seek this shelter? He keeps us grounded when everything else seems changeable. And we can rest because he is our shield. We can rest because he is our defender. He is the good shepherd who will take up our cause. Who knows our situation even when others around us don't. 
So, brothers and sisters, strangers, friends, this is my shepherd. He is my place of security for all eternity. He's promised to pick me up, put me on his shoulders and take take me home. Home for all eternity. Because I ride on the shoulders of the captain of a mighty victorious army who has already vanquished the foes of hell, of death and of Satan. They are the shoulders of the good shepherd. He lifts me up when I am down. He's the defender of the weak. He's the humbler of the proud. But he's taken every sin. Every single sin. And has responded with a promise that I will be with him for all eternity. This is my shepherd. Is he yours? Will the one who owns you secure you for eternity? Does the one who owns you, did he provide for every single one of your needs? Do you find peace and tranquility in the one that owns you? Are you content for the good shepherd to be your guide? Are you content and willing to follow him and him alone? To cast aside all else and have him and him alone? Because he has laid his life down that you might take your life again. This is my shepherd. Is he yours? Let's pray. Mighty Heavenly Father, we thank you that you know where each and every single one of us are this morning. And we pray that you would help us to love you and to follow you as our good shepherd. Oh Lord, we pray you be with us now and bless us as we sing this hymn. For Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. And if you'll turn again to your blue hymn book. Hymn 769. We trust in you, our shield and our defender. As we sing this hymn, put yourself in the position of a sheep. Keep that guard down for a bit longer. Because we need him in each and every situation. Let's sing and praise and worship the Lord as we sing this hymn. 769.